Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, March the 20th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, another new arrival. Admittedly, at first, I had no idea who the hell Chris Reed was, but after a night in the film lab, I'm going to tell you why Miami just found their starting right guard for 2019. Plus, Robert Quinn is in Dallas meeting with the Cowboys. We'll discuss Miami's new Moneyball approach and other veterans that could be on the outs along with Quinn. And we'll finish it up with a little bit of quarterback talk. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com where a couple of pieces that we're going to talk about on today's show are up live right now on the blog page. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. It's another Miami Dolphins And up first on the podcast today, talking about a new addition, Chris Reed comes over from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And while there are no contract details available just yet, as these things tend to trickle out after the fact a few days, as a matter of fact, we just got word that Clive Walford's deal, the tight end formerly of the Raiders and Jets and at the University of Miami, signed for one year, $725,000 with no money guaranteed, which basically reaffirms the point that I made that he is basically a camp body and by no means a guarantee to make the roster but Chris Reed on the other hand for the Jaguars I think this guy's gonna make the roster I think this guy's gonna start at right guard for the Dolphins and I'll tell you why he played under Pat Flaherty Dolphins new offensive line coach for the first two years of his career out of Minnesota State which if you'll recall is the same college that Adam Thielen went to and turned himself into an all-pro receiver now Reed did not work out at a pro day, did not go to the combine, but he did go over to the Minnesota Gophers, the college that actually is a power five school in that state. And he worked out there and I'll talk about some measurements or metrics he met at that combine here in just a minute or that workout rather. But you look at some of his tape from the last few years. He is primarily a right guard for the Jaguars, played a little bit of left guard over the last couple of years as well and had three reps as a left tackle, but that's not who he is. Even though the feet He has the typewriter feet that you hear scouts talk about in that they pitter-patter up and down very quickly, and that helps him get into his pass sets, and that's one of his better traits. He can quickly mirror the defensive lineman right in front of him, cut him off at the pass, and then lock out with good hand placement. He looks very solid in pass protection, and it's evident by his 95.1% pass block efficiency rate up on profootballfocus.com. He allowed 10 pressures. Zero of those pressures were sacks last year on 203 pass blocking reps. Now, in his three years in Jacksonville, he started just eight games and appeared in 25 total. And I think the reason the Jaguars would not bring him back after his contract expires after three years is because they just paid Buku bucks for left guard Andrew Norwell. 
the highest paid guard in the National Football League, and they re-signed their own right guard, A.J. Can, to a three-year deal to bring him back. So maybe they did want Chris Reed back, but I'm sure he wanted another opportunity to go out and play somewhere, and what better than the offensive line of Miami that really is in complete shambles, at least until this signing, as he gives the Dolphins some hope at the position. You go back over his run game tape, and there's some great examples of him helping out on the initial chip. He's a great combo blocker in that way, smart and heady, and then peeling off to the second level and making good blocks down on the linebackers at the second level. He always finishes his reps. He's very nasty in terms of the grit and the tenacity that he brings to the football field. And you go back to a tweet from our friend Chris Kaufman at CK Parrot on Twitter. He shows a tape of Reed playing right guard against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers do so many things to try to mask what they're doing on defense. They're going to shift the defensive line before the snap. And then they're going to stunt right in front of Reed's face and then send a delayed green dog blitz into Reed's gap. Reed helps on the first block, he chips the second block, and then the green dog blitz comes around and he picks that up. I made a joke that says that Reed picked up more stunts and delayed blitzes on that particular rep than the Dolphins' offensive line did for the entirety of the Adam Gaze regime here in Miami. That's hyperbole, but you get the idea that the football acumen's high and that he can do things that other guys before him on this Dolphins offensive line maybe couldn't. So I like his work in the running game. I don't think he's the best as far as pulling out into open space and getting out into space to make blocks in the open field. I posted a video up on the thread, or the the post rather, the free agent analysis guard Chris Reed, showing him try to get into space and whiffing on two linebackers. I don't think you want him pulling to the play side, but I do think as a backside guard, where you have to seal off the edge on the outside zone runs, he is fantastic at finding that leverage and anchoring and creating that big lane on the backside for the running back to find his way through the hole. So I think there's tons of upside here at this signing. And in the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, I linked to an Omaha Herald piece written about him where he's from, his hometown, written by the Omaha World Herald staff writer, Henry Cordes. And he talks about the fact that one, he's a family friend of Chris Reed and he's trying to get him on the podcast for us. So hopefully that happens. But he talked about his impressive broad jump, his impressive vertical, a 5.0740 yard dash, which came from his dad. So who knows about that? But I asked for the short shuttle times and the three cone times. He didn't have that for me, but he did show me a, a video of Chris Reed shot putting and throwing the ball. I think it was 58 feet, the little stone or whatever it's called at 320 pounds. He can spin around on those feet. Like I said, the very light feet are evident of his mechanics and tech and his technique on the offensive line. And from that same article, it details his work back in high school about how maybe he was a little bit passive as a player, but he always came to practice ready to work. And he loved the weight room, which helped him add 10 feet to a shot put throw back in his high school days when he was very good at doing that. So a guy that has the mentality to pick up stunts and games and twists and all that fun stuff up front. He has the infectious personality in terms of wanting to be great at football and to be able to work hard in the weight room and off the field, a locker room guy, I'm quite sure. I just think all this stuff coincides with what the Dolphins want on their team at the position. And I think he's going to be a starter because his upside is very, very evident. And as far as the ripple effect on the offensive line, I believe this kicks Jesse Davis out to the right tackle spot, which we we speculated might happen after Juwan James left. I think you got Laramie Tunzel at left tackle. That's pretty obvious. And then Daniel Kilgore probably competes with a rookie, like Barry Jackson mentioned, for the center spot opening day 2019, probably in that third to fourth round range. And then you have Chris Reed at right guard, maybe for the foreseeable future, maybe just this year. It'll depend. 
but I do think that this will give us a good barometer to find out how well our coaching staff performs because if this if this staff can coach, this guy should be able to play in the scheme and those two things will go together and give us an indicator of what to expect from this coaching staff going forward. Okay, we're going to jump ahead to the second segment here after the break and talk about the Robert Quinn news and which other veterans might be on their way out of town before, during, or after the draft via a trade. We'll get to that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter, at NFL and the show, at Locked On Fins. I talked a little bit about Chris Reed's lack of prowess getting out in space and operating as a outside zone blocker. And maybe some of the athleticism that is there maybe wasn't quite as evident on film. But I also feel like it'd be disingenuous to leave out the fact that there was a bull rush in that Dolphins game. The one that I really examined closely where Andre Branch took him right backwards and put him on his ass. And that's something that he does struggle with at times, getting a little bit too narrow in his base and getting absolutely bowled over. But you can live with that as long as the other reps are good. And the other reps are good with Chris Reed. So again, excited about that signing on tomorrow's podcast. I'll tell you about my feelings about every signing so far the Dolphins have made. Let's go ahead and move forward here and talk about a topic that is probably going to be pretty hot in the news the coming weeks and month leading up to the NFL draft as the Dolphins continue this money ball approach of selling off parts and mortgaging the current landscape of the team and putting those assets into future years like 2020, for instance, or even 2021. And that's going to include a lot of veterans that have contributed on this team for years in the past going by the wayside and going across the NFL as Miami basically bites the bullet on so many of these salaries this season and tries to position themselves to be much better in 2020. They did it with Ryan Tannehill. It sounds like Robert Quinn is about to be the next one to follow suit on that. They picked up his $1.1 million roster bonus last Wednesday in an effort to help hope to trade him later on. And that seems to be coming to fruition now as Tom Palacero of the NFL Network reports that Robert Quinn was spotted on Tuesday on his way to visit the Cowboys who are in trade talks with the Dolphins for the veteran defensive end. Quinn would need to agree to any deal. So this is another step in the process for the Cowboys, but they obviously want a pass rusher. They also added the Saints are interested in in that idea. So Saints and Cowboys pitted against one each other to try to go after Robert Quinn. What can the return compensation be coming back? We can speculate on what that might be, and that's exactly what I did in this article. But just going over the players that might be following Robert Quinn in this idea, that's the idea of the article, potential veteran trades on the horizon in Miami. And we start with Robert Quinn, who has the $11 million cap hit this year, and that's the big reason the Dolphins want to move him. But if Miami are going to be able to trade him, they're going to have to eat some of that contract and help the Cowboys out a little bit. Or maybe he agrees to a new contract like Ryan Tannehill did, but even then the Dolphins helped pay for some of that. So the Dolphins do have $27 million in cap space to spend. You need about $10 million for your draft class, probably a little more after they acquire more draft picks by trading down. But the idea is that money they have left could just be spent 
on buying draft picks, and that's what they're trying to do here with Robert Quinn. I think he eventually does go to Dallas, who might overpay a little bit, and that's why I think he fetches a 2024th round draft pick as he goes to Dallas, because they just lost David Irving, they lost Randy Gregory, and they need help to help this Super Bowl run, or championship run, or whatever you want to call it, for Jason Garrett to try to save his job. I talked about the compensation the Dolphins might have to pay for, and Terrell Suggs just signed for $7 million with the Cardinals. So he had seven sacks last year. Robert Quinn had six and a half. Just trying to equate the two. I think Miami could pay $4 million of that $11 million, get it down to $7 million as far as the Cowboys are concerned, and move on, get the draft pick, and again, build towards 2020. That's my idea for Robert Quinn. I've got Rashad Jones on this list too. And basically the idea behind Rashad Jones, and if you guys want to read more about this, it's much more in-depth and detail on LockedOnDolphins.com here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But talking about Jones and the potential idea of moving him is pretty much that you're just accepting that he you have to get rid of his future salary because the Dolphins pay him the next three years excess of $35 million in total if they keep him on that contract. And you look at teams that might have a championship pedigree or championship window to try to bring Jones in for the for the Super Bowl run this year and the following year. I thought about the Chiefs, but their cap space situation is not great. And so I'm looking at the Indianapolis Colts because the Chiefs also signed Tyron Matthew. The Colts have $77 million left in cap space. They have no compliment to Malik Hooker, and they have only spent money on Devin Funches this offseason, so maybe Rashad Jones is their big play to improve that defense to go along with Andrew Luck, and I have them sending back a sixth-round draft pick just for taking off the Dolphins' salary commitments in future years. So Rashad Jones goes that way to the Colts. I talked about Kenny Stills. I think that this is the one guy on this list that Miami would prefer to not move if they don't have to, and a great spot for him to go if they decide to make the move and pull the trigger would be Kansas City because Tyreek Hill is in a world of trouble right now if this abuse scandal about his kid breaking a three-year-old's arm comes back to be true. They're going to have to have someone to hold the top of the safety or the top of the defense and take that safety upwards to free up Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid's screen game. So I think this spot could be actually worth some compensation in return, and that's why I'm predicting a 2020 third round draft pick coming back. Also, the Dolphins really don't owe Kenny Stills that much. I talked about Devin Funches, 10 million bucks per year. Kenny Stills is due 8 million this year and 7 million next year. So the Dolphins should say, look, this guy's a bargain for you. You wouldn't be able to sign him for this cost in the free agent market. So we're going to give him to you for the low cost of $8 million this year. You're going to have to give us back a day two draft pick. And that's my prediction there. The next name on the list is defensive lineman Akeem Spence, who I thought for sure would be cut. He has not. He is still around. And he was acquired last year to one-gap penetrate for Chris Kusarek, the Dolphins' defensive line coach. And that's why I have Spence going to San Francisco to reunite with Kusarek, who also had him in Detroit. This league tends to have those types of tendencies, guys following coaches around. And general manager John Lynch of the 49ers actually said that Chris Kusarek changed the way they view defensive linemen, a.k.a. they want one-gap penetrators. So it makes perfect sense. The Dolphins bought him off the Lions for a seventh round draft pick. Let's do the exact same thing. Basically just push the $3.25 million to the Niners, send him to the Bay. They get their sub package pass rusher. The Dolphins get a seventh round draft pick and alleviate that cap space. Easy peasy. Next player on the list, Kiko Alonso. I don't know how you do it because you guys know that I feel this way. I don't think he's a good player. 
but there could be some teams that maybe want his run defense. And when he does get his run keys right and doesn't have to make a lot of decisions that way, he can be effective. I think the LA Rams with Aaron Donald up front and the entire defensive line they've built there around Donald, they could afford to have a player like Alonzo because they really haven't found a replacement for Alec Ogletree. And once again, the Dolphins take a seventh round draft pick in return just to get Alonzo off the books. He's due about six million bucks each of the next two years. And the Dolphins probably going to have to pay a lot of that bill because no one really wants to pay Alonzo $6 million per year. And then finally, we land on safety TJ McDonald. And I think that either or he of Jones will go this year. So if one goes, the other probably stays. And because of that, I really don't have much flexibility as far as what I think a potential landing spot is for him. I gave him to the Colts just in the event that Rashad Jones does not go. Like I said, take your pick. But for the sole purpose of taking off the future money owed, which is about five, six million bucks per year over the next three years with McDonald, really just a crazy contract he got in Miami from Mike Tannenbaum. Take him off the Dolphins' hands, free that cash, that future cash considerations, send him to the Colts, and be done with it. Those are the veteran players I think you have to look for over the next coming months. TJ McDonald, Akeem Spence, Kiko Alonso, Kenny Stills, Robert Quinn, obviously, and Rashad Jones. Again, if you guys want to find out more about this particular idea and the details behind this, I have a category for each of these players, the potential suitors, the reason the Dolphins would trade them, return compensation predictions, which we talked about on the podcast here, and how the Dolphins can help facilitate those trades. Check it out, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one site in the entire Locked On network and a record-breaking month for us up there on LOD.com. Okay, so we're going to come back on the other side and talk about some quarterback news involving Ryan Fitzpatrick being very coy with the media and a prospect in 2020 that I absolutely cannot stand. We'll do that next. Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. In the veteran trade idea column, I close up by talking about this Moneyball approach that basically is a runoff of what the Cleveland Browns did under Sashi Brown. And that, of course, evolved from baseball and the Oakland Athletics for many years. But my final point was that if the Dolphins are really committed to this idea, why not maybe go out and do what the Browns did with Brock Osweiler and try to maybe buy Alex Smith from the Washington Redskins and send a draft pick along with him because Washington is very up against the cap and could use the alleviation and they tend to do things in a way that really no other NFL team does. Maybe they will send you a pick, call, see if that's available and make that move happen. But I digress. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about our next topic here on the podcast. And it is this quote that comes across from Cameron Wolf who of course is the ESPN insider for the Miami Dolphins. And he met with Ryan Fitzpatrick for an article you guys can check out right now up on ESPN. It is called Fitzpatrick chose Dolphins to be starting quarterback. And he basically talked about the honor and privilege that it is that there are 32 starting quarterback jobs in the NFL. And he wants to be one of those guys. And I took that almost to say like, don't worry, Dolphins fans. I'm not Teddy Bridgewater. I want to play football. And that was a little bit comforting, even though I think you're missing out on a potential future prospect in Bridgewater. 
Fitzpatrick kind of sets the record straight and says the things that you like him to say that make you feel all warm and fuzzy because that's just who he is in a league, in a sport that just spits out these manufactured, trained ideas as far as press conference answers. Fitzpatrick is a breath of fresh air. I've talked about him on Hard Knocks and some of the stuff he did with Jameis Winston, making fun of him and just having fun. And it appeared like he was basically there for an anthropology study, just examining an NFL locker room. Yet he was the backup quarterback and frankly, the best quarterback on their roster last year. But an idea of what Fitzpatrick is as far as a personality is summed up perfectly right here by Cameron Wolf on his Twitter at Cameron Wolf. He says, Ryan Fitzpatrick said he hadn't talked to Minka Fitzpatrick yet, but the first step is to see if they're related. And then on the Fitzmagic nickname, he said, quote, there's plenty of magic to go around, end quote. I don't know how you can't love that. The guy is just so damn likable. He also says he's keeping the beard no matter how hot it gets in South Florida because, quote, it's become part of who I am. It will definitely be in full effect, end quote. And then lastly, I think this one is the most interesting because of the way it's framed, talking about being the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. This is straight from a tweet from Cameron Wolf again. It says, Ryan Fitzpatrick said biggest factor in signing with Dolphins was ability to be a starter. He said he had conversations with Dolphins and he's acting as if he's the starter in 2019. Acting as if? Don't you assume that he would say, I was told I'd be the starter if that's what he was told? I just think that maybe there's some wiggle room in that little phrase, that little few words to think that maybe the Dolphins do want to target and go after a quarterback in this draft. You guys certainly know I've talked about it several times with a particular Oklahoma quarterback. It might be the Ohio State product and Dwayne Haskins. I just think that little blurb could be telling as far as what the Dolphins' plans are come draft night, it's going to be so interesting to see what they do as they continue to push things towards 2020, but that does not preclude the quarterback idea because I think that if you get the quarterback in now and you find him, you can bypass that next year and you can work on moving back down the board in 2020, continue to accumulate draft picks, start picking up your blue chip players and go from there. So a very interesting tidbit. I could be reading into it way too much. It could mean exactly what I think it means, But we don't know. The fun part is the next month is all speculation. And before we get out of here on today's podcast, I want to talk about another podcast that was just dynamite. It was the Monday Move the Sticks podcast. And normally... I listened to that show for Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of my favorite media members in the entire industry. But he was off from the show. I guess he had a travel complication that couldn't get him back to Los Angeles to record the podcast. But Bucky Brooks brought on draft analyst Lance Zerline to talk about the draft and some players. And there was a great quote in there talking about Justin Herbert as I text our staff staffers in the group me. We have a group me chat. We all talk about article ideas or just the Dolphins in general. And we put together our predictions for this. Who will the Dolphins pick as their next quarterback? The anointed one, so to speak, which is funny because Gabe Harai, our staff writer, has had to talk about so many times or change his article so many times from who will be the Dolphins quarterback in 2019. Right before he published that, the Fitzpatrick news got announced. So he had to scrap it. We pushed it back to this new idea and Justin Herbert came up in that conversation and since I keep seeing his name attached to the Dolphins I can't fathom why the idea that the Dolphins love him because Mike Tannenbaum went and saw him play 
six or seven times last year. I mean, that dude's gone. Why would we still trust his evaluation? Why would you trust his evaluation in the first place when he's been on guys like Mark Sanchez, traded up for him, for Geno Smith, and then kicking the can down the road multiple times, multiple years on Ryan Tannehill? I mean, I should be the one that doesn't talk on this, but you get the idea that he no longer works here because he failed at that position. But I sent a text to the group that said, quote, if we waste an entire year of my football life all for Justin freaking, and I didn't say freaking, all for Justin freaking Herbert, then that's when I walk out into the ocean and call it a life, end quote. I just don't see it. He's not a good prospect at this point. I think he's being elevated because of the physical traits, the big arm, the fact that he can run around a little bit. But you go back to the Move the Sticks podcast and you talk to Lance Zerline about his scouting of Dylan Mitchell, the organ receiver, and he said, I was surprised by how hard Mitchell had to work to catch body to catch balls off of his frame, off of his body, because Herbert is spraying that thing everywhere. And then Ian Wharton at NFL Film Study on Twitter, friend of the podcast, guest of the podcast, he came back into that thread and replied to me showing me the data points that he had charted in terms of accuracy at certain levels of the field saying that his charting corroborates what Lance Zerline said because he's not an accurate quarterback. He doesn't have the football acumen. I've tweeted videos of Justin Herbert coming up short on the reads and the mental aspect of the game. So what does that do you? That's that's what Ryan Tannehill struggled with. I just don't see it. If scouts at that level are not seeing it either, that makes me feel even better about it. So Justin Herbert, that's the one guy, man. Please, please don't do that to me. Let's go ahead and get Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Tua Tungavailoa, Jake Fromm, Jordan Love. Just please don't make it Justin Herbert. Also, before we get out of here, on that same Move the Sticks podcast, they talked to Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Cleland Farrell, and Austin Bryant, the four dynamic pass rushers and defensive linemen there at the University of Clemson. Check out that podcast, Move the Sticks, from Monday, March the 18th. You guys will not regret it. But as for our show today on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, that is going to be my time. If you have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capability in your car, you can pull up the Locked On Dolphins podcast instantly. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Free from-